0: The year is 1975. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year. This is the Reading Club and Podcast where we go through the complete history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. Today we're on 1975 Part 2. Every year we provide a reading list of 10 curated top essential stories and today we're going to cover 5 of those. We already covered 5 in Part 1 with special guest alongside, uh, you know, a regular Zach. (laughs) Our regular
1: guest (laughs) host, Zach.
0: Yeah, yeah. I had an intro for you, but I guess I just did intro you without actually using it. I'm Dave. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com. Every week I get together with Zach, who my intro for you was going to be, he keeps telling his wife he's an Asgardian warrior now and definitely not her spouse to get out of doing household chores. Welcome (laughs) on the phone, Zach Dean. I did that all out of order and all weird, so... (laughs) <laughs> that's that's more of what you can expect from my marvelous year in the future
1: i'm yeah i'm not i'm not feeling that great this week dave
0: oh yeah why is that
1: yeah i'm a little like disoriented i'm you know i'm, I'm feeling a little numb mm-hmm. my uh, mm-hmm. i feel distant from my body and mm-hmm. that, let me let me type these these symptoms into WebMD real mm, quick let me numb, see what's happening i just from body dizzy and dizzy oh my god it says i'm high on comics Hi on
0: comics, baby. God, this was a good, this, chunk. this
1: was a good batch of comics. Well, I mean, what's crazy is that we only read Amazing Spider-Man, Jungle Action, and Adam Warlock. And it was some of the best comics I've ever read. Yeah, Just these were three. big
0: together stories, um, yeah. which is another way of Those are the saying... only
1: things we read this week. <laughs> I
0: see what you did there. Yeah. So yeah, we'll definitely be playing a round of Why'd You Do It, Dave, when we get to the Defender stories on these <laughs> lists. Um, but yeah, it's a recap for those of you playing along in the Reading List Club, and you can find all the reading lists in the show notes. You can go on over to MyMarvelousYear.com. Um, you can get them via the Patreon weekly updates, There's all sorts of ways that you can find these, you know, hey, what comics are we reading lists. Today, we're doing Amazing Spider-Man, Jungle Action, Black Panther Stories, Strange Tales, Adam Warlock, Werewolf by Night, Just a Tiny One, Debut of Moon Knight, and Giant Size Defenders, Defenders Crossover with Guardians of the Galaxy. That's the one Zach didn't like. But before we get to that, let's talk about the ones that I think are probably a bit better. We'll start with Amazing Spider-Man, The Jackal War, and a.k.a., spoiler alert, the original Clone Saga.
1: Yeah, I don't know why people hate the Clone Saga so much. This was totally fine. Clone it Saga's is pretty...
0: awesome, right? <laughs> it was pretty breezy.
1: It was yeah. only th- I don't know, 13 issues, 12 issues if yeah, you read pretty the whole tight, thing. I don't know what people are complaining story. about like that this is like the worst event in Marvel Comics. Cuz this is this is fine. I don't know what the big deal is.
0: Baffling. I would agree. Yeah. Okay, so before we
1: get into this, this was like the most comics we've read in a week. Uh but part Yeah, I told, you, that... <laughs> I told you.
0: I told you all fine when we were talking. I actually backloaded part 2. Specifically because you were having a guest on part one, yeah, and I'm sure I didn't he appreciated want to that. over over inundate our our special guest, um, you know. So I, I put gave us the most, and I got to say, as I was reading these last couple days, I felt some regret. I felt some regret over that decision. That was a lot of comics to cover. I
1: especially because, and I'm gonna write this in the uh, all the like newsletters I send out. I'm I am recommending people read the entire Amazing Spider-Man run, which is 139 to 151. Yeah, it's I think good. Tech- Technically, it's like 141 to 148 or something, but like I think the whole context is important. There's some really great scenes in those early issues and the later ones, and I think it's worth reading all of them. It is a lot of reading, um, which yes. I did in less than 24 hours, hence why I literally, literally well, overdosed on comic.
0: Yeah, no, you OD'd on good comics. It happens to everyone in the club at one time or another.
1: They're stored in a sack in my spine now. Which I'm just going to have flashbacks later.
0: All I heard was sack and spine, and I'm just going to keep on moving. Yeah, keep going. AMS144. We start here. I think you can consolidate the Clone Saga to these issues and really get the crux of the story. It's primarily by Jerry Conway and Ross Andrew on art, who's going to be on Spider-Man for a decent chunk in the 70s. Kind of one of the unsung Mm -hmm. heroes of Spider-Man history. Uh, This is also three years on Amazing Spider-Man for Jerry Conway. I think he is today best known for the death of Gwen Stacy, I think for fairly obvious reasons. Uh, But he also introduces the original Clone Saga and the Jackal, as well as creates the Punisher. Original
1: Clone Saga. Oh my God, that was some real... That, well, that's original just what I say. Clone saga.
0: <laughs> that's just how I describe um, things as they're happening. Okay, you know? good. So, like good. The, uh, the one
1: and only Clone Saga. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Like, the, like I'm, I'm still married to my original wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> good.
1: This is uh, my original son. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right um, um, now that I, I two, it gets very confusing. It's I do my love that the Clone Saga. saga is just done, and we're never going to return to this. It's awesome to just know that the storyline's completed.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, like you have nothing to worry about, um, especially not as we move into the 90s, and have an entire uh, podcast dedicated to a not return of this idea. But uh, we'll get into it. Hey, you know what happens in these? Gwen Stacy's back. What'd you think of that?
1: Good. I mean, it's pretty soon after
0: she died, but... um, Welcome back, Gwen.
1: Yeah. No, I liked the whole dynamic peter kind of snaps over it acts like a jerk to all the ladies around him peter's such a jerk
0: in these issues and it's it plays that balance of of getting you to be like man our hero sucks but still it it made me mad at him but in the way where i'm like i want him to be better (laughs) you know what i mean right you know why it's happening you understand it there's so much work that's built into all of the loss that he's suffered you know and like how seeing his girlfriend returning from dead and and just knowing he has all these villains out there like Mysterio for example who would mess with him like this he's just like no this isn't real this is so messed up get out of here and he flies off the handle um so, so it's couple... understandable but it's also like man Pete like get better i want i want to see you happy man
1: yeah yeah there's a few there's a few moments from like the comics the first couple comics i want to point out i don't think we'll go into them quite as much there's probably my favorite Mysterio story where like they do a great job making Peter seem like the best Mysterio stories where Peter is just doubting his sanity, right? And like, you're talking about continually... the ones where he
0: makes him tiny in the Silver Age, or when Mysterio pretends to be a psychiatrist?
1: Uh this one, he is just projecting other villains and making Peter like think he's seeing things. Yeah. Kind of classic Mysterio stuff. And there's this whole thing about like it's a new Mysterio and he's back from the dead and I don't know. it's a different Mysterio than the original mm-hmm. one. It's mm-hmm. a stunt man. I don't know why that happened. But yeah, I love uh I love Mysterio being used as like psychological warfare on Peter Parker. Like that's Well, know, I think that's one thing Far From Home did
0: extremely well. Is oh my and God. I, I think yeah, exactly. it's one thing that fans were yeah. losing their minds over, is like, oh my gosh, they did they did the Mysterio freak out, you know, illusion sequences. Uh but hey, actually guess what? That's not what's happening here. <laughs> that's, yeah, well, they, that's what it feels they start like, out, but it's not. They what's start happening. out
1: with that because there is a Mysterio story where he's doing that in like one forty, I think, one thirty-nine yeah. or one forty, and then you know you might think that that's where it's going, but it's not. There's a uh, it's a good fake out. I, I'm kind of surprised you didn't put. Uh, I think it's one forty where we get the first kiss of Mary Jane and Peter Parker, and it like
0: that's that's surprising to you now, is it? it?
1: Yeah, it's a big deal. It's like kind of an iconic shot. Them he's going off to Paris and they kiss at the airport and like their relationship has been really interesting. Now, I don't want to
0: seem like a, you know, like a romance killer over here because I think we all you know. You don't like to
1: watch teens kiss?
0: I, as I was going to say. Yes or no, Dave. I think we all know that's not something I'm opposed to, but you're not going to find a lot of first kisses as targets of issues I include on the My Marvelous list. You
1: know, somebody asked recently on the
0: Q&A, how did you pick the list? Uh, Among the criteria, first kisses, not high, I have to say.
1: Is there a relationship more iconic than Peter Parker and Mary Jane?
0: It's important, and you get the development of that relationship through these issues as well. Um, You see, and we've seen her over the past couple years, post-death of Gwen, like she kind of becomes a steady friend repeat and and doesn't really push into romance I, I i think one nice thing about their relationship is they don't just like it's not just quick like well Gwen's dead who's gonna be the love interest we're in like, love yeah they actually build it you know oh um, she
1: has tons of doubts leading up to it which is great and even actually when she kisses him and leaves she like stands there quietly and i think she just says to herself far out like <laughs> she's just kind of baffled by this and like I they're both don't kind of know. unsure of it yeah exactly uh, and gwen returning really
0: throws wrenches into that for both of them you know, yeah, because they're they're yeah. kind of have this like, well, maybe we have a thing together, Um I mean, but then Gwen's the, back, and it's like, well, do we? Or the timing going of that is her? so
1: good for like storytelling and dramatic tension, because just as Mary Jane and Peter are coming together, literally just as things are working out, Peter Parker's dead girlfriend works walks in and throws a wrench into all that. Like it's yeah, it works really well as you know, just kind of an an immediate obstacle to their relationship working out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and something else in one of these early ones is there's so many good Jonah moments. I feel like J. Jonah Jameson is getting his new life breathed into him this year. Yeah. Like just some really, really funny sto- story beats. He All shows right, up. Me. Well, Spider-Man shows up to the Daily Bugle. I can't remember to talk to Jay Jonah Jameson about something. And he swings out of Jay's, Jay's window and Jonah throws his shoe after him. And then you just get a panel of J. Jordan Jameson saying, my shoe, my shoe, why'd I throw my shoe? <laughs> like talking to <laughs> himself, just questioning, like, why did I throw my shoe? Spider-Man uh, drives and, him and up a wall. Also, all Artie Samek using his captions for comedy because it starts out like he writes in very small letters, my shoe. Mm. And then it gets big, bitter, bigger. Why did I throw my shoe? And then he screams, my shoe, like that. Which, I mean, it's a little touch, but I feel like that's something new we're seeing. Is that, yeah, that's a good call-out. You know, you, you can modulate tone just through size of text, spacing of these word bubbles, and that's that's already some mech here.
0: Love it, love it. Uh, Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. And let's call out here, too. So, as this story progresses, okay, Gwen's back. This is weird. It's shocking. What's going on? We get information... Over the course of the first few issues here, I think Ned Leeds, the reporter, um, and Peter's friend, and and I think he's either the husband of, or he's had a romance with Betty Brant, he tells him, like, hey, we've done all the tests, she's been investigated, because everyone else is pretty weirded out by this, too. Like, Gwen died very publicly. You know, this isn't, like, a secret in Spider-Man's life. This was a huge story. Everyone knows, uh, as it was publicized, that Spider-Man killed this young, you know, uh, college girl. And, and Ned says, hey, it's her. Like, all of the DNA and testing and whatever they do, like, everything matches. Um, Gwen. And I they, think they Peter say, pretty quickly says, like, it's a clone. Like, Ned, I don't think Ned he's Ned even says that, that they dug
1: up her grave and her body's still in there. Yeah, yeah. That's it's the a really dark part. detail. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it's like, this is... Not the Gwen Stacy; it's a Gwen Stacy, and she has most of the memories leading up to when Gwen died, but she's kind of confused after that. And <coughs> there's like there's like
0: little gaps, and she's I think I don't know if she says it explicitly, but she's like, "What have I been doing for the last year, Two months, or yeah. months, or some some specified yeah, yeah, period yeah. of time?" That yeah, is, that is a blank to her. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of haunting, and I think as the story progresses, like what a what a cruel assault on on Peter Parker's senses and that's intentional so i'm gonna get to the big reveal here only unless you got stuff you want to talk about first
1: only to be one up by the 2000 story sins past which <laughs> <clears throat> you know what have you read
0: since past
1: i just reread it what and, why uh, i'm gonna defend it when we get there i think what? it's a pretty Stop good it. story no i think it's pretty good you have it's pretty good Dave.
0: no i have I the wildest being, takes
1: no i i swear i'm not just being a contrarian i read it again because i read it when i was like uh 16 or 17 yeah and i was like whoa that's totally wicked and you but, were you like know, love it i was yeah. a teenager right yeah so i read it again kind of thinking it was going to be garbage and i was like this is pretty good still i think this still works so okay. we'll, we'll get to that in like two years we'll duke it out but i just you baffle me sometimes I, yeah. you uh, baffle you yeah. <laughs> all right um, i'm excited anyway, to get to so, it that'll be interesting so the this whole year, all these villains have been working at the behest of the Jackal, who we've seen before.
0: And we saw him and, uh, manipulating the Punisher in his debut.
1: Right. And he manipulated this guy called Grizzly, who's just a, a man in a grizzly bear costume. I love Grizzly. Uh, yeah, Grizzly's pretty funny. Yeah. And he manipulated Tarantula here, who is the one who like kidnaps Peter Parker, throws him off the top of the George Washington Bridge. Oh, and he kind of looks um,
0: like a goblin, because uh, that's what Jackals look like, I think, as, God, we, as we established. You know, I so talked about get this. this. I'm reading my son his zoo book, and who should be on the, like, furry predator's page but a jackal. Green goblin. Um, and, yeah. And I'm like, what? It says jackal here, but all I see is kind of a wolf, like a small dog. wolf. It's like,
1: yeah, it's a medium-sized dog.
0: No, I, I think it was a misprint. I think they meant to print, like, a Halloween goblin. I'll, I'll write them a letter.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, they'll print it in their next editor's page. Mm-hmm. So the Jackal and Tarantula, like, it's clear that the Jackal's the one who created Gwen Stacy and kind of has her under his, like, I don't know, hypnosis, mind Oh, not kind of. I mean, totally.
0: So, like, oh, yeah, at, yeah, at, yeah, at one point, she's... Gwen shows up um, on a bus, and, like, on a bus Peter just happens to be on, and she's just, like, completely out of it. She's unresponsive to anything, and it's at this point that it's, like, Gwen is just the Jackal's, like, robot almost, but she's actually a living, breathing exact clone. Yep. of Gwen Stacy as we know her. And the Jackal says a number of times here that he's doing this to strike out at Spider-Man for killing the original Gwen, like he yes. is, you know, yes. that's kind of been building for a while here like Luke Cage tries to hunt down Spider-Man, we get um I think Iceman and and Punisher are all like trying to
1: hold J-J-J. him accountable
0: for this, you know, the way it was publicized that he is responsible and the Jackal is like maddest of them all and it turns out he's maddest of them all. Because he is behind the mask, and yes, it is in fact a costume, not just a of <laughs> yeah, shackle.
1: Out. I um, mean, he's not even wearing clothes. It's weird.
0: Yeah, uh, he yeah. Has, like,
1: he has like a speedo on, but what do you that mean? That even makes speedo. it weirder. It, he has a little green speedo on. It's like Underneath the same the color. Fur? No, no. The, the fur, like the same color as his fur. He's got a little green speedo. on, I think we're both furiously googling right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's got this little like yellow loincloth thing.
0: Okay, yeah, I mean, he's not yeah. just gonna which, walk around. Which with, is uh, just weird
1: because that like genitals sti- out front. Well, but that like, does the suit have genitals? Like,
0: it's a I I have to think that the jackal suit has horrendous genitals on it. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Ugh. Uh, he looks real soft though. I like that about him. He looks like a real soft boy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I,
0: I mean I I don't like the jackal, but I'd pet him. You don't right? Like you wouldn't want to get close enough to him. You would kind of want to do what you described with the jackal. In the previous thing, and like slowly go up to him when he's sleeping, give him a yeah, little pat. yeah. Roll
1: around in some seal urine. A lot of people in the Slack watched that video, which I'm very proud of. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, and for those of <laughs> sure. you who weren't
0: uh, listening to 74 when we talked with the jackal, there's a video Zach likes. It's a
1: National Geographic jackal. Video. Yeah, yeah. Go of watch Jackals
0: it. fun. hunting seals. You heard it here yeah. first on my marvelous here. Um, but yeah, so he is Professor Miles Warren. He was a professor, a science professor of Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy's at Empire State University, and he's been a character for a while he's been like the touchstone
1: character at the university who you know continually talks to peter about his potential and his wasted potential when he misses class and like peter interacts with this guy a lot he's been a big peter parker booster
0: well and he's a nice pick for having him be the big villainous reveal um you know of all this build-up because he's around enough that you know him but he's super under the radar where you wouldn't right, have affected yeah, him, yeah, yeah. it's actually somewhat similar to Norman. Os- actually, it's I would say better executed than Norman Osborn, even. Um, because although Norman has is a greater character and has more connections, uh, big picture, Miles Warren has actually like had a lot more appearances. And it's a if you were playing, who could the jackal be? Like he's a name you could have guessed, but most people probably would not think to.
1: Yeah. So he says that you know he was so upset about Gwen Stacy dying, he decided to clone her. And this, you know, university laboratory stumbled across uh, cloning frogs. And I love this detail, which is like, I, I want to talk about the science in Marvel right now. But uh-huh. he gets, he his assistant comes up and says, look, we successfully cloned a frog. And then the professor, Professor Warren hands his assistant some cells that he got from Peter and uh, Gwen Stacy during class. They right had, like the cheek swabs or something. And he hands it to his professor and is like, yeah, clone these frogs wink and then 10 minutes later the assistant runs back in and is like uh, professor the the frogs they gave birth to humans like, <laughs> <laughs> like the idea that you know i mean i i think the idea is that they just grow them in a vat maybe you know like it's cloning which is real but the technique he has no idea how it works so the idea is like yeah i'm just gonna go clone this frog and then accidentally like a human came out
0: yeah i do it's, think it's, it's really interesting good. one thing yeah. that i i didn't really research. Uh, appropriately but maybe you'll have some thoughts here when did cloning become big as like an actual scientific thing because i remember in the late 90s there was like dolly you know and they were like they cloned a sheep but apparently it was at least in the sci-fi lexicon um as early here as 1975 i think but like this wasn't actually we weren't actually that close to having clones yet unless i'm Oh, no wow. no no
1: i think it was like but it's it was theoretically possible because like by the 70s we knew about i don't know stem cells and like the the being able to uh you know split a stem cell and then you would just like if you got it uh, if you split a zygote perfectly in two you could take both of those and implant whatever you'd get a bigot. yes yep two yep, goats yep, yep. two heads yeah
0: yep. um so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so peter parker he's got clones and stacy she's got clones miles yes, warren with well, this that, guy big... when this, his assistant um accidentally you know does the does the human clone he uh he kills him <laughs> yeah <laughs> more or less accidentally this yeah. kind of breaks poor miles uh you know he's really goes off the defense at this point and this one becomes the jackal it's literally he's throwing
1: scheme. he's throwing his assistant's body into a furnace to dispose of it and mm-hmm. he just overhears some people saying the jackal's the most predatory like the most vicious killer of the ball and he professor is like oh yeah that's who killed this guy a jackal Ah, not me i'm not a murderer
0: i love when Uh, people take inspiration from just the closest like thing they see or uh word that they hear and turn that into their entire basis of yeah it's
1: like uh, when you do the my marvelous year superheroes and supervillains i have no idea what you're talking (laughs) about (laughs) (laughs)
0: so anyway miles uh yeah he takes peter and this time okay so they catch peter they tie him up and he brings gwen is hypnotized gwen with him and a tarantula is involved as like a lackey to fight spider-man and that's how they get him captured and they're gonna throw him off the bridge to kill him the same way that he quote-unquote killed gwen right so like miles his whole thing here is revenge for gwen stacy um spider-man he escapes as you'd expect. Ultimately, this, this, there's a
1: cliffhanger where he gets thrown off the edge. And then the next issue picks up with him falling. And I love the editor's note. You know, usually they do some kind of catch up to try to tell you what's going on. Yeah, the editor's note is just like, there's no time to catch you up. Just figure it out as you go. Yeah, it yeah. <laughs> uh, jumps right into the action. That was fun.
0: Yeah, it's a nice sense of urgency. Um, But yeah, yeah, Spider-Man escapes, you know, he beats up the tarantula. Surprise, surprise. Um, The Jackal's big reveal here towards the as the series, you know, kind of escalates towards a conclusion, is a clone of Peter Parker. So at one point, you have two Spider-Men wake up next to each other, basically, and they're saying the exact same thing at the exact same time. They're finishing each other's sandwiches, and they don't know (laughs) who is who, right? And just sort of, at this point, like, chaos ensues, and you've got two Spideys trying to figure out which one's real. You've got clone Gwyn, hypnotized, and you've got the jackal just loving it.
1: Yeah, and then Eventually, like, I don't remember, they, they basically get Professor Warren to, like, snap out of it. I think Gwen Stacy kind of approaches him <clears throat> and gets him to snap out of it, and he kind of has a change of heart and realizes that he's, it's not the Jackal, it's him doing all these nasty things. So he goes to cut down Ned Leeds, and the bomb explodes and kills him, blows up the building, and in the most interesting part of this whole thing, I think, kills one of the Spider-Men. Yes. And that the remaining Spider-Man stands up and Gwen Stacy's like, Oh, are you the ori- original one? And he's like, yeah, it's me. And she's like, how do you know? And he's like, well, of course I know I'm, uh, f- ooh, far out. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> and yeah, like, exactly. And then all of a sudden just has this head trip and it's, I mean, it's creepy. It's a scary idea, right? Like it's that, you know, what is it? Uh, the ship of Theseus kind of idea, right? Like about identity, like physical. Ide- okay. Right.
0: Explain, explain.
1: Oh, that's the like the the Jason and the Argonaut ship. It's that like metaphysics um, thought experiment where if like every year you start repairing the ship and replacing like one board at a time, and after so many years, every piece of the ship has been replaced and repaired. Is it still the same ship? Okay. It's not quite it's not quite the same idea, but it's like that idea of if you are fundamentally the same, but not literally the same. Like, what is your identity, right? Like, what's the difference?
0: Sure, sure. Right. Questions to so be asked that will still maybe get explored. Yeah. At some future date.
1: No, I think this is all wrapped up. So oh, it, that's it wraps up yeah. here. That's right. I, okay. And I don't know if these ones were in the um, the reading club, but this, you should keep reading and continue because Peter Parker like grapples with this over a couple yeah. issues. Yeah. Up the next to... couple
0: issues, he's kind of thinking about this. He's reflecting on it. I, I do but have I mean, to say, e- I don't love he... my, Professor Warren's crisis of conscience um, a- as the deus ex machina to get everyone out of the jam. You mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. I, I actually don't like at all the version of the jackal where he's like, Oh my gosh, I killed someone. What was I thinking? Like, I actually like when he's this like full on jackal, like, nah, I'm into clones. Like this is all great. It does
1: clash <laughs> with like, you know, four hours earlier he was like It's fast. Yeah, I mean just earlier he was just like, yeah, I equipped Quen Stacy with a portable uh portable jetpack. There's liquid fuel in her purse. Like he's just such a big, big villain. And then for him just to be like Oh, no, wait, I'm a bad guy. Yeah, I guess yeah. I can see that. It didn't really bother me, but I, I understand
0: that. And, the, and uh, to recap kind of the, the net effect of this, the apparent death of Professor Miles Warren, the apparent death of one of two Spider-Men, and Gwen Stacy, the clone, just walks away at the end of this comic. Yeah, at the end, they which were I had just forgotten. Like, She,
1: yeah, she's like, you know, I'm not the real Gwen Stacy, like, we were never in a real relationship. Yeah. So I think it's best that we just go our separate ways. Yeah, that's so weird like She's out there. I, I'm so curious about that. Yeah. Um and then Peter Parker takes the body of the other, the clone, purportedly, and he burns it himself in a really dark scene. Like he takes the corpse and throws it in the same incinerator that Professor Warren used. Yeah. And uh he has what is he says something really like I don't know. They're, they're like, there's just something very, uh, it, it's much darker than like necessarily the text suggest. There's a lot of like really upsetting subtext of this whole thing, which I think is great. I mean, there's also like a creepy subtext of Professor Warren cloning a 20 year old girl. Like she emerges nude from her vat and he's just like a perfect pure Gwen Stacy. And there's like this really creepy
0: undertone of this I old
1: was, man. I was
0: reading these pages out loud to my uh to my young son because he asked me to to read him something and when yep. i got to that section <laughs> that was like the perfect pure female form my wife overheard and she was like what are you reading him you need to stop <laughs> <laughs> you should read yeah. him since past yeah i don't know that professor warren it, i don't know that's ever explicitly stated that he has like romantic feelings towards gwen no I, I I like that it's not it's a no i like it's not Underlined, you know, like
1: it I think it's just fine being. Oh, I prefer it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like it the way it is. But like the the images suggest that because it is gross. Like she is standing there naked in front of him, and he's like you know kind of admiring her form, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this. I think Spider Man's back, baby. Spider Man's uh, back, baby. I mean, he, it hasn't heard been it here first. Bad. Like I thought it's generally pretty good, but it has lessened in quality a little bit and i think this is like as good as the best of the silver age like this is top tier spider-man for me this might be my favorite spider-man story i liked it better than the death of gwen stacy like i think this is a better story i think it might be i do think it is altogether is a better story i mean we
0: talked a little bit in the early part of the 70s like okay definitely spider-man lost the crown like he's not the goat anymore um who is it and i think in the early 70s it's kind of hard to pick i think now in 75 it's like an insanely crowded field uh, I don't yeah, think Spidey's yeah. gonna be there for honestly, like not to not to spoil the party you're having here with this story, but like I don't think he's gonna be the greatest. But yeah, it's very good. Like Spider-Man continues to be fun. I think it's it's found a lane again of of yeah, good Spider-Man yeah. comics. So. Oh, I
1: wanted to talk about the science in this, which I do like, moving into the realm of like maybe not, maybe not literally possible at this time but theoretically possible science, right? Like stuff that is maybe just like 20 to 40 years off in the distance, like cloning, right? Like, yeah. versus, you know, I don't know, kind of the madcap, uh, you know, I'm going to strap a nuclear, a clean nuclear bomb to your neck, whatever. Just the kind of like over-the-top zany stuff. Like, well, didn't I we like, just
0: see that in uh, yeah, Green Goblin that a Spidey did comic? That to, Where they yeah, literally uh, have the nuke. Yeah, yeah, it's the...
1: Harry Osborn did that yeah a, right like hey people. i got a nuke uh, on
0: everyone's head yeah it's it's like okay this is yeah not yeah
1: right. i, I kind of like this uh this balance between like it is outlandish but it's not that outlandish it has just enough grounding that like yeah I, I think i appreciate that more like there is some fun to be had i think you like it more than i do the crazy zany over the top silver age science well but, it depends
0: uh, it depends when it's happening like i i tend to like it in the silver age because as you described it like that is the time period where it's the sort of silliness of it all is like part of the era but i think when we hit it in 75 i'm a little less i'm a little less forgiving of it because it's like mm, you guys should kind of know better with some well, of this and stuff also, i don't know like, there's a line the comics have grown up right so it seems more out of
1: touch like these don't seem like they're written for 10 year olds anymore
0: out of touch or now they're written or, for 14 year olds um, duplicative or it's redundant it's like Dupl- we, we've seen the crazy nuke idea done. It's actually kind of boring now and and just like preposterous. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Um, yeah, so thumbs up for Spidey. Big Spidey fan over
0: here. Good job, Spidey. Yeah, yeah so that's going to that take guy. us into a series I'm guessing you liked even more than what we just uh... talked about. This is, right, settle down, oh. <laughs> settle down. This is Jungle Action, number 13, to number 13. Oh. Hey, oh boy. Okay, we're going to need to, we'll be back in <laughs> just a
1: moment. Oh, speaking of uh, inappropriate noises, um, I made the slack a mm. promise that you would swear on today's podcast, and we put it to a vote. You made the uh, slack
0: promise that no, I no, would the, do sorry, something.
1: Sorry, sorry, let me, no, the slack I promised the Slack that I would get you to say a swear, because I realized the other day that you don't do swears. Never heard you say a swear. Yeah, this so is a it...
0: family-friendly organization, Comic Book Herald, yeah, I put... and a family-friendly I put it podcast to a until you start groaning like a nut when I say the word's jungle action.
1: I put it I put it to a poll, and the Slack decided, you need to say the word
0: buttocks. That's not a cuss. Also, mm. I will not be made to dance like a monkey. I'm here of my do own it. volition.
1: All right, well, you you don't have to just say it, but like weave it in naturally somewhere for the fans. I'll weave you it? in naturally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so jungle you know, action. The this say. is the
0: conclusion of Panther's Rage, written by my fave, Don McGregor, with And the Pastor Billy Graham. Let's just get it out of the way now. Pastor. Oh he's, man, it's just like people think of him and they're like, oh, no, he's a I pastor. Said, I might not no, agree with some of I already his beliefs. Hit the joke. His you art is fantastic. Yourself. Like No, here's the thing. I underrated Billy Graham's art because I, I don't know why in my head I was thinking that um, oh shoot, who's the guy who did Deathlock? Rich Buckler. I thought he did a lot more of Panther's Rage than he winds up doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy Graham is so good. Like this art yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. This series is great. Uh, I don't have a ton more to say about it beyond I, just I, I it's do. I so think this, stinking good. We've read, I think this is the third batch we've read.
1: I think this is my favorite. Um, so it actually
0: gets better as it goes, you'd say?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think I mean, it's always been great, but I, I like this more than the last two, and that's mm-hmm. saying something because I love those. This um, segment's
0: really cool because this is all the, finally, finally, the redemption, the redemption journey of Black Panther after mm-hmm. he's been beaten to a pulp again for the second time it's by that. Eric Killmonger. He's, this is mission? all him recovering and working his way back to you, babe. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you really got me with that one. Um
0: you watch the Mission Impossible movies? Uh, some, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, the, the like, I think the, the real appeal of those movies for a lot of people is the, like, relentlessness of Tom Cruise. Like, yeah, yeah. He's not a perfect action star or, like, a perfect hero. He gets the crap beat out of him constantly, but he just, like, is an unstoppable object, right? Um, and I think that, like, really comes through here, is that Black Panther is just getting his ass handed to him over and over again in these comics, and it's just his, like, will, and you can just feel that, like, he starts out with his costume torn to shreds, and it just gets, <laughs> he he loses a lot of costume throughout He
0: this. is completely, yeah, he is completely new. by the this. And you know, you know where all that happens?
1: All that happens in the text boxes. The text boxes do so much to really establish the, like, I, I don't know, they, they add the weight to the punches, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. So, like, th- he's in a fight with this guy who's got this, like, uh, it's like a mace with these spikes on it. Yeah. And the text just says, it is a combination of nunchuck and mace, and its design has only one purpose, to rip flesh and carve bone to the marrow, which like, oh, like it immediately makes, you see it swinging towards him, you read that, and it heightens the threat, right? Like mm-hmm. it's before, without that, it, I don't know, it's a, it's a marrow, it's a marrow, it's a mace swinging at him, but like that makes it like, oh, I, I want my marrow to stay where it is like that's (laughs) like that's a really upsetting description right like it's not just going to like pierce you it's going to crack your bones like
0: yeah so jumping off of that too there's a sequence where one of the villains um he like knocks out the black panther and then he leaves him to die by uh tying him to cactuses and we have a long stretch of the panther t'challa Tied to these cactuses and just trying to stay conscious and trying to figure out a way to free himself. And yeah, the the narrative captions are doing all the heavy lifting in terms of describing his pain and his which torment. I usually
1: hate, right? Like I'm I'm so much of the show don't tell yeah fan here. Like all the time I'm saying that, but maybe show don't tell unless you know how to tell, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> unless you can write good evocative
0: unless you're text. good at the tell. Yeah, and McGregor yeah, is here. Sure. Like I don't. I, I don't know how else to describe it other than how I have, which is to say, like he writes prose like it's required in good literary fiction. Yes. Um, you know, yes. like without art to show, he's he's really hitting uh, alliteration. He's really hitting descriptive text in ways that are surprising and interesting. An, I think
1: additive, right? I mean, that's just the thing. Like, it adds to the scene. It just like it's adding that weight and tension to what you're seeing. Yeah. And you know that just the way he's describing when t'challa is being like pierced by these thorns like he describes the pain in a way that you're just like oh i feel it now like i yeah
0: yeah 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 um it feels like a it feels like a experienced thing even though obviously we're just we're just looking at it and and flipping through the pages i will also call out here uh wakanda has dinosaurs (laughs) i (laughs) so in addition to like the pain and the struggle we're describing this book is so fun (laughs) i I hated that because i was
1: just like Oh, that's lame. And then by the time it kind of he started fighting a T Rex, I kind of got sold on it. Like, fights
0: every animal in this book, and it's it's can, the thing can that we you just would go expect through some from... of our favorites. Cause what's that?
1: Can we go through some of our favorite like fight scenes here? Just oh my like, gosh, gush uh, about this because there's okay. A lot. What's what's your pick? All right, my my first one. Ah, He's fighting the it. giant snow apes. That's a real kick in the buttocks. You got... <laughs> that's the I heard buttocks before his call dropped. <laughs> okay. All right. We gotta reconnect.
0: Hello. Hey. How's it going? Can you hear me? Yes. Nothing. Let me check my settings.
1: Can you hear me?
0: Can you hear me? Can you hear
1: David? Me? David. Okay. Cool. Um. Okay. So he's fighting some giant snow apes. And a second. Let me get my pulled up. He's fighting these giant snow apes. And at uh. They are like worshipped in Wakanda by some sect of Wakandans, which is yes. really interesting. So it's like he keeps talking about it like he's fighting a god and it's this, I don't know, big 15 foot white gorilla. And eventually he throws it off a cliff and impales it on a woolly mammoth's rib cage. <laughs> ah so cool god i yeah, mean that's, like
0: that's a pretty nice action shot um we talked about last time he fights an alligator he fights a big snake he fights a pack of wolves the one that i like the Ooh, most he, here they do the, is the when Empire he's just like he's just like the plaything of the pterodactyl so yeah, like he yeah. he simultaneously is fighting off a pterodactyl uh this guy who tied him to cactuses and the cactuses that he is connected to it's all awesome
1: he yeah, he he, uh, carves up one of those wolves and does the Empire Strikes Back thing of wearing it for warmth, which is pretty neat. Okay, so we just cut out for we just cut out for a while because my internet dropped. So just saying that in case I don't remember where we left off. That way I don't have to try to. Yeah, you want to the time and date
0: again? Did you stop recording? No. Oh well, no, it's fine.
1: As long as we don't stop recording, the tracks are still where they should be. What uh, um,
0: if you're on a one second lag though, and. I traveled into the future two seconds.
1: I mean, that's always a possibility.
0: That's true. I'm always doing micro bursts into the future. Very micro. (laughs) But I am aging rapidly as a result. Um, Okay. So we were talking about jungle action. Yeah,
1: T-Rexes. That he kills a T-Rex with a palm tree and a boulder. So, cool.
0: Yeah. Dinosaurs are fun. What? Okay, so... All of wait, that wait, is the build I, really the, getting it, to the Killmonger throwdown at the end of this. What did yes. you think of the, did it end effectively for you? We've gone 18 issue, or not 18 issues. We've gone since issue six of Jungle Action now to get to this point. Did you like the ending? you think this was a, a good conclusion to the killmonger verse maybe,
1: maybe a little underwhelming maybe mm. just a little bit yeah uh, i mean you know kind of had that like cyclical nature they're back at the waterfalls i think actually killmonger says that
0: <laughs> like it's appropriate it, it, this it's like will... yeah i mean it's intentional
1: and then but the thing is that black panther doesn't end up killing killmonger a little boy whose parents were killed by killmonger runs up and shoves him off the cliff which Yeah. It's just this nice moment of uh so it's so know, nice like, yeah <laughs> it's, it's just very this, nice. like really sweet and gentle moment <laughs> of a uh, child murder yeah or child murderer um no it's it, you know it's this like reap what you sow uh moment that like it is not Black Panther getting getting revenge for this. It's you know it's like this little kid who's getting wrapped up in this, and also the kid is now being tainted by this war. Yeah, and there's all this really interesting stuff about like oh my god! I, I mean, as soon as I finished reading this, I was like, well, I need to read this again. There's a lot here that I am not picking up on. Like this first. Did you time read it read. twice? No, I need to. I I ordered. Oh, it you soon, you would like to? As as, yeah, as soon as I finished this, I went online. That is and high praise. Have you collection.
0: felt that way about almost anything else we've no. read? No, no, yeah. no, no.
1: I mean, I don't own any of these, and I don't really plan on owning any physical copies of any of these, but I want to own this, like, this whole run. It's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, this should um,
0: be a cool one to have, uh, to have back issues Because there's up, all this really sure. interesting
1: stuff going on with T'Challa and, like, his responsibilities as leader. There's these ideas of, like, him trying to rush Wakanda into being this technological powerhouse and, like, forgetting their culture and pushing them in a direction too quick, too soon, that maybe they don't... That doesn't work, or that, like, I don't know, causes some difficulties with people being able to grapple with all the changes, uh, like, where his priorities as a leader are, the fact that he just wants to kill, and that's his solution to this, is killing all these people, uh, and just more violence, and whether that will solve anything, like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff going on here, and it's all, I don't know, it's all... And we didn't
0: even really get too deep on this one but like there's all sorts of additional subplots and storylines with wakandan uh individuals who we've come to like, oh, I didn't learn to, point to out. know we, we and got, understand in these pages
1: i i forgot to mention this earlier we got raked over the coals a little bit i think for our first jungle action issue because we were consistently swapping names of a couple of characters here i think mbaku and wakabi we were just like continually mixing up which is fair because sometimes yeah, yeah. I do have a hard time remembering some of these names. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I no, it think deserves
0: it, it deserves closer attention uh, to the supporting characters in in a way that we're not giving it. Covering a variety of stories, I will totally agree that that is valid. I will say here uh, or valid. Um, it I will say here there is an issue with uh, Monica Lynn and T'Challa enjoying just like a nice romantic uh, you know stroll on the beach together.
1: And very, in the... very
0: sensual uh, moments. It, yeah. Some of the the best romance stuff we've seen. Show I think it, you in know in one of the this will be a superhero and... action comic.
1: Did you expect that butt on T'Challa? Because like he arguably, I'm always has... expecting a nice
0: nice a... buttocks on T'Challa. That's right. I think he arguably
1: has a bigger butt than Monica Lynn in that. Like it's pretty that similar. profile they... shot. Yeah, that profile shot. They have very Ooh, similar popping similar butts. Yeah,
0: pop yeah. in.
1: Uh, I also like that. Like she's in this very like very sexy bikini and he is just wearing his black panther suit full body coverage <laughs> like the sexiest costume outfit yep. to wear the day at the beach riding some giant sea turtles there's something else that billy graham does here that i think it's so cool which is he draws black panther his physicality as a cat over and over again I think that's so neat. He has him prowling around the trees, looking like a panther stocking, like in the, the limbs of a tree. It's, yeah, it's really neat. Like there's, yeah. there's just so much here. I, you know, I was saying in the Slack today, why is this not talked about in the same breath as mm. Alan Moore's Swamp Thing mm. and Frank Miller's runs in the 80s on Batman and like all these other classic, I mean, even <laughs> Claremont, like Claremont's X-Men, I, it might not be as, it, big later on it might not have gotten as much notoriety later on like Claremont you know really shook up the X-Men and that had lasting changes maybe that's it but like I mean it's Swamp Thing changed things for DC really like
0: no well I don't know why this is
1: not but this is 1975 this is a decade before we're getting to all these really acclaimed comics and I think this stacks up against any of them like
0: so I think that's a very interesting question because I had a similar response when I read it as well I mean so I ranked this in like I don't know. It's like upwards of my top 60 favorite comics of all time. Um, it, it's very, very high for me on the best comics of all time list. And yeah, like you're saying, it just, it was like an, a totally under the gem. I mean, up until until Black Panther, the movie came out, what was that, 2017? It wasn't on Marvel Unlimited. It wasn't like hardly available in uh, collections. That was last year, Dave. <laughs> um, what? The
1: movie was The movie was last year, but...
0: The movie was in 2018?
1: Yeah, it was March 2018.
0: Good grief, it's been a I long, know. two years. Yeah. Um, and we've, so, we've only
1: had five MCU movies since then, so it's hard to, you know...
0: Yeah, that's amazing. But no, that I guess that's even even more then. So, like, you could only get this collected in the Essential Black Panther, the black and white reprints. Like, Ugh, the point being, they, they weren't making any effort, really, to have this story available to people Um, in, in the ways that, like, you know, Wolverine, four issues by Claremont and Miller is collected and recollected... You know, countless times, and it's not even so, that
1: good. I've read that; it's fine, right? Like,
0: yeah, I'm just throwing it out there for like, no, you know, no, I know, I'm a just quick saying comparison's like, sake. So yeah. it doesn't get anywhere near the attention. I think on a on a like comics for the time. Obviously, we're reading a lot of them. Level, you and I will both say, like, why the heck not? I think part of it, it might just be part of the title. You know, it's just like Jungle Action is this weird, like generic sounding, generic thing of his time. I wonder if Marvel and the powers that be are a little embarrassed by it. In the 2000s? Literally just um, the name?
1: I mean, they could just relabel the trade as the, you know, Panther's Rage, Rage. Panther. Yeah.
0: And just, hey, here's a graphic yeah. novel, Panther's Rage. Like, there's no good reason Rage of the Panther wouldn't be selling a collected edition, like, perpetually in comic shops around the globe I for the don't past, why, like, like, 30 years.
1: I mean, I've been reading comics for a long time. Why is it, like, that only as I am doing this club in approaching 1970s that I'm like, oh, there's a Black Panther thing coming up that, like, yeah. people really like? And, like, why why have I not heard of this before? It's just, it's kind of astounding how, like, I think this is definitely the biggest, like, hidden gem in Marvel we found. I think it might be the best comic we've read so far, period, Mm -hmm. in the club. It Mm -hmm. might not be my favorite. Like, Spider-Man still might hold that place because he just has a special place in my heart. But, like, I think it might be, like, the best written comic, like, the best complete product that we've read so far. I mean, I'm sure there are good arguments, but, like, it's definitely up there
0: like it's up there i, yeah, I think yeah. even as i scroll through my head and think like uh, oh, what are the ones i like more um you know if this be my destiny probably the first i mean thing it might not be
1: as like groundbreaking right i mean that's that you know a lot of these other big famous things we're talking about but, a, like, but in a lot of ways group. it is
0: i think is the wild oh, thing and yeah like, that too i think part yeah. of the problem too is the legacy of it is there isn't one right you know? so like, like this series goes through issue 24 we're going to read that it's black panther versus the ku klux klan which like obviously Whoa, okay, as right with, with political implications um but like then it ends and black panther doesn't have a solar series until jack kirby shows up in the late 70s and it's yeah. totally removed from all of this like Ugh. could not be more removed. so uh jack. maybe we blame jack kirby is that what that where we just netted out yeah i mean
1: you know that really that might be the answer right there is like silver age fantastic four might not be as good but it definitely is way more influential on everything that came after it, I right? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, everything, yeah. you know, started with the Fantastic Four and Spider Man, really. Um, in Marvel, at least. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I just wanted to point out, because I think I started to say this before we got cut out. Someone shoots an explosive arrow at him. He uses the explosion that hits the tree. The arrow hits the tree behind him. He uses the explosion to propel himself forward and break the ribs of the guy who shot the arrow at him. Ah! It's so cool! Yeah. Yeah, oh, some of the best so action
0: you will read this year. Speaking of some of the best action you will read this year, our next tale, Strange Tales and Warlock. We read Strange Tales issued number 178 to 181, and then Warlock, it jumps into a new series, relaunches as Warlock number nine to number 11 so we're not like crossing over here it's just this is one story continued but it takes two titles to do it this is jim starlin don't... going full starlin on us full cosmic science fiction how'd you like this compared to captain marvel vs thanos Ooh, that's a good question um very
1: similarly i think i'd have a hard time telling which one okay. I like more. okay i wondered it, if it, you
0: it... would have a preference for one or the other no this, this is surprising more sci-fi critical, less so. grounded in marvel universe stuff
1: yeah 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 but you know what like he did the same trick Where like i don't care about captain marvel love those comics mm. i don't really i've read a lot of adam warlock and like that guy couldn't be less interesting but he's pretty cool here like there's a lot there's a lot going on here
0: i, I don't is... know it, it's it's a good point you make so i don't know that i love adam warlock i always i love jim starlin's starlin's warlock and i kind of love everything around him to the point that I feel like, well, maybe I do love Adam Warlock <laughs> because <laughs> I like every comic he's in and I like all the stories around like, him. Next
1: time you see him, just look him in the eyes and say, I love you. And then immediately examine how you feel. He, right? Adam like, Warlock is the type of right. dude
0: who 100% looks right back into my eyes and says it back with all, like full-on sincerity.
1: Right. And you will know in that moment. If you did, if you said the right thing,
0: oh, I'll be sucked into the soul gem immediately. I'll just be taken. <laughs> yeah, so uh, let's, let's talk yeah. about his soul gem. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, on his head. before we get to the soul gem, we even it. well, no, okay. I guess we could start there. Yeah, he's got a soul gem on his head. Uh, it's it's in the center of his forehead. And if you're thinking soul gem, we haven't what like like the Infinity uh Infinity War or Endgame and you know the Avengers no, movies. Me, Dave, yeah uh, I'm, uh, oh, I, I'm a listener over, of uh, my mother the year, over. and I, are you talking soul gem, sir? I, I'd like to learn more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard of such a gem, uh, but uh, <laughs> if I'm not corrected, uh, corrected, my uh, vision is the, uh, the owner of the soul gem, so oh, sir. Sorry no, to no, correct no. you. Vision, is not in this comic, is he? No, this looks like Adam Warlock. What are you saying, sir?
0: <laughs> so yes, I strike you with my cane, sir. <laughs> please, <laughs> please continue split the to cane spread down. such lies. So Adam Warlock, soul Who gem in his forehead. <laughs> uh, the the first issue of Warlock that we read, issue nine, is called the Infinity Effect. So like Starlin is already building these infinity ideas, the gems, the stones, all that stuff's coming together here. It's not the main focus of these stories. The main focus of these stories is Adam Warlock versus the Magus. The Magus is the evil alternate future self of Adam Warlock. He leads the universal church of truth. He considers himself a god. He builds this church. church. He wields this church like like an army essentially it's a uh it's a theocracy um and and the magus is like he's the future that adam warlock is desperate not to become as yeah, we well, learn we over like, the course of these issues. we
1: first find out about this huge religion that's spreading across the universe and then like at the end i don't know if it's the end of the first one but adam warlock like you said finds out that like he is magus magus what do you say Magus.
0: i say magus no i you think you're I think Magus. You're right.
1: no 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 you're right i think it's major um Actually,
0: no I, a pronunciation no, could go either no. way it wouldn't bother me uh yeah we get all sorts of introductions here we get pip the troll we get the magus we get the universal church truth gamora welcome to my marvelous year gamora the deadliest woman in the galaxy it's all Pretty here cool. the visuals the panel layouts are incredible throughout make mine yeah let,
1: let's break down a little <laughs> yeah yeah definitely i mean it, it's Very well written for a completely, like, weird and conceptual story where, Mm. I mean, at first they don't reveal that, like, Adam Warlock becomes Magus and then goes 5,000 years back in the future, back in the future, back in the past, and then starts, you know, creates this religion that then catches up to present day. At first it's just like, oh, it's you, and, like, you're split in two, so there's this kind of question of how Magus is him, how he's Magus. Whatever. It's this kind of like metaphysical. It's a little King Ramatut Dr.
0: Doomy. Yeah, if yeah. you will.
1: Um, but I, time travel doesn't really come into it for a while. You kind of wonder if he has been like splintered at some point and not mm-hmm. realized it. Because there's also this thing where he's got this soul gem. And can you tell me where the soul gem came from? Because I don't remember. And it just was there.
0: Yeah. So if you actually. So like Strange Tales, there are actual introduction issues of Warlock um, from earlier in the decade. The series isn't purely warlock once it gets relaunched but some of it is uh, I believe that's where he gets possession of the soul gem he'll also get some background there on his past and his relationship with the high evolutionary encounter earth so if you're like I got to know more about this warlock character I picked the the place where most people would start but you could run it back in strange tales I want to say it's issue like 4 They do a
1: really good job in the first one of laying out everything he's been up to literally his entire life story <laughs> so this.
0: i often think i find that stuff annoying but it's so effective here and it's they so do, useful
1: he does it in a really like quick snappy way without like yeah he but really it's simultaneously it well. it's dense like, like
0: there's tons of text but it's also like it's got a zip to it it's, it's a very well
1: edited wikipedia page and then yes, i love exactly. at the end of it he actually lists like if you want to read everything Adam warlock here's the six different comics that this was all spread out in yeah Which yeah it's fun like i like it's that like jim
0: starlin harold over here you know what i'm saying
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Competition. com. Check it out. Um, so, yeah. So, Warlock in this saga continues up through the point where uh, Gamora, it's revealed, has like a mysterious master who is. She, the master sent Gamora in order to sort of watch what Adam Warlock's doing and ultimately to kill the Magus because he well, because represents a powerful threat. Adam Warlock to the
1: realizes that the Magus is him. He wants to stop Magus and he goes to this church. Uh, and like kinda turns out that everything that he's doing, Magis already knows about because this used to be him.
0: He already he like he's
1: already done it. Yeah. So he's like taunting Adam Warlock with this information, right? Like, oh, you didn't think I knew you were gonna punch right then, and he blocks the punch. And my like, favorite example of this
0: has, yeah. is when he's he's timing out to the second when this big momentous event is going to occur, and the event is like the in betweener. This cosmic being between realities is going to show up and touch Adam Warlock and and make stuff happen. Send him
1: hurtling back 5,000 years.
0: And the magus says he's going to be here in 12 seconds. Next page, 12 panels, each panel one second as Warlock and the magus are about to clash. And as Gamora comes flying in, seemingly unseen with a knife, trying to take out the magus. Love everything about that page Very and what cool. it indicates as far as storytelling And, and
1: like, so there's this big mystery as to, like, who sent Gamora. She has this mysterious master who's like, you know, everything is preordained here, but you will be the, like, the the unaccounted for element in this, yes. this drama, right? Like, you're the monkey wrench in the machinery that may just... Clearly knows is playing out, and the thing is, doesn't, he just doesn't—he knows there's like, a
0: secret foe out there, but he doesn't know who it is.
1: Right? It, we're skipping a lot. Like, there's a big trial that Adam Warlock goes on. That's a lot. We're skipping of fun a lot
0: because I don't with... want to spend an hour. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I, I just want to point out that, like, yeah,
1: there's a lot going on here with like introductions to the church. There's this high matriarch. That's an interesting character. The yeah, trial yeah. is a very fun issue. He has a trial with this, like, big, goofy-looking thing where the prosecutor is a giant set of lips and the public defender working for him is just a sleepy eyeball. Yeah. But, like, he's like, he can't even speak. And they're like, well, it'd be good if he even stays awake through the trial. Like, and you just see him, the eyeball, public defender, nodding off. Like, it's just weird. It's totally trippy. It does kind of seem like he was like, hey, you know what would be funny? If the lawyer's a mouth and that's it. Like, yeah. and then he just does it, but it's... It's this incredible balancing act of tone of like different things going on and different concepts and tones clashing together. And they all really just gel together into one cohesive thing, which I think will be in really stark contrast to the defenders later, where that's my biggest issue with the defenders this year is that like that tone is just a mess to me. And I, I don't. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in a bit. But like, yeah, yeah. this is a masterclass in. To- oh, I'm sorry. I have to mention something from Jungle Action. I got to back up to Jungle oh, Action. Th- this was one of Pat, the main points. Nope, i we're
0: done. We're done. Okay, this is one of the main mention. points I wanted to
1: bring up. There's a scene in Jungle Action where Killmonger is walking with two of his lieutenants. And one of them says something that makes Killmonger mad. And these two lieutenants we've seen, they've been like a little bit of comedic, comedic relief. Like yes. they're, they keep getting smacked around by Black Panther and they're like a little bit of two buffoons. Killmonger goes to start lashing one of him with this thorny belt, and the other lieutenant, his friend, is, like, just being brave and kind of standing up to Killmonger, yeah. and, like, please don't kill him. He's obviously terrified, and Killmonger spares the two of them. I think the clear moment, the, the clear reason why this scene exists is just, just to check in with Killmonger, show what he's doing, and to kind of show a little bit of his cruelty. But the fact that, like, just in this one scene, I had actually forgotten that we've seen these two lieutenants through the past... However many issues, I forgot they yeah. were reoccurring characters to later on. And I thought these were just two random people, but like that he infuses this kind of somewhat generic scene of just like, yeah, the villain, he beats up his henchmen, right? Like he's just a nasty guy with this like dramatic tension of, I know who these characters are. There's a relationship between these two lieutenants. I like get the emotional stakes for this one guy. Like just that every scene should have something interesting in it, right? Like that. It just being the flat plot, just saying like, oh yeah, this is the scene where we show that Dr. Doom is mean to villagers and the villagers are going to, you know, I don't know, get in his way and he's going to smack them and that will establish that, right? Like, and that will be enough that like, do something more, infuse this with a small little struggle in the scene, bring in, you know, make these real living characters. And that's something this book is drenched with is like every little bit part. Every little bit character is a real character who you feel like has this whole inner life. And it's just like, I mean, I i know I'm just saying, yeah, just do that. Like, it's really easy to do. But like, it's just, uh, I mean, it, it it's one of the reasons that comic just sings. And I feel like so many other comics fall flat is because they don't get that. Like, you should make each scene interesting in and of itself outside of any larger plot.
0: Yeah, it's obviously a challenge, but I mean, I think that's the uh, definitely a through line of the stuff that we enjoy. I, I, you know what, I don't even think it's... Ma- matter, oh, I'm I'm and sorry. like don't each moment on. is intentional. So, I mean, I think it's the intentionality of it that the best creators tend to get. is like yeah. there's purpose to the page. Um, so we aren't just flipping like, hey, I don't even think you know, in it's... Guardians of the Galaxy, it's like, okay, there's a seven-page fight scene. I'm just gonna flip, 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 you know? Like, I don't think it's even you, you a failing
1: that. of comic book writers later. I don't think it's even on their radar to do this. I think they think... Okay, uh, there's going to be a big fight here, and that will be enough, and there'll be the resolution to that fight, and here's the peril, and here's the, you know, like, here's the build-up, the fight, and the one-page epilogue, and that will be enough, like, and not realizing that, like, oh, make all those things individually interesting and part of a larger thing. I I mean, I'm basically saying make story good. Yeah, it's it's easier said than done.
0: Oh, um, oh, of course, of course. You know, I mean, but, but like, I, it, I it's something
1: saying. that I, I feel like jungle action is just excelling at in a way that nothing else is. Nothing else is infusing every moment with as much characterization. So, uh, but uh, I think Jim Starlin's doing pretty close. Like, he's doing a pretty good job. He's much more interested in like these big operatic tales. Right, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but yeah, there's a uh, like. Okay, yeah, you take over. I've been talking for a while. So the big, no.
0: the big reveal in oh, Strange Tales it's a, Warlock. It's a good is reveal. The master. You think it's a good reveal or no?
1: Oh yeah, I was. Yeah, like,
0: yeah. I think it's I quite mean, well done. It is Thanos. He is his oh, master. I mean, when
1: he showed up, one, I didn't see it coming. Because nice. I was like, oh, it's going to be Infinity, or it's going to be the Watcher or something like
0: that. Okay, so when it was Thanos, cosmic entity, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, when it was Thanos, I was just like, oh, hell yeah, that's so cool. Like, yeah. I mean, it. and then his explanation for why he wants to stop Magus is so good, and he's just basically like, I want to take over the world, the universe later, and kill it. Like, I'm going to bring death to the entire universe. Magus is going to get in my way. Yeah. So you and I need to band together to stop Magus so that later I can kill everything.
0: Yeah, Like it's It's classic Thanos. Like he's not uh, he's not acting out of benevolence, uh, it's so but it's cool. it's one of the things this is one of my favorite relationships in all of Marvel comics is Thanos and Warlock as begrudging allies. They have a, a history that we're going to see that extends throughout Marvel history or throughout Marvel comics timeline and it's always amazing cuz they're always at odds but then they get in these scenarios where they kind of have to work together in order to prevent some greater evil or some greater threat that both maybe threatens them. In different ways, and that's exactly what happens here. Thanos, Warlock, Gamora, Pip, to a degree, they all have to fight off the mages and his lackeys. Pip,
1: why does he matter? He was fine. Pip is
0: clearly just like, hey, it's it's a for comedic effect. He's Adam Warlock's bud, so he's got a pal who can kind of tell it straight. It's kind of like inserting, um, like a like a sillier Ben Grimm. So you have not everyone speaking in abstract cosmic, um, like seriousness. You know, I think yeah. a lot of people, I think, disparage Pip as this goofball who doesn't need to be in these stories. I kind of like him because it's clearly getting some of Jim Starlin's, I think that's what you're talking about when you're talking about tone. Like, Pip allows this to be a little goofier and a little more playful I think it's in a way that, that establishes like, this isn't just like taking myself seriously all the time.
1: You know, I don't I don't actually mind that as a concept. I just didn't think Pip himself was that like engaging. He never made me laugh or, you know, I don't know. Like, his observations didn't seem that necessary. So, like, I I didn't mind him. I didn't think it was terrible. It didn't distract, but I also didn't think he was that necessary. I wonder, is he going to be a thing moving forward? I kind of, I I had some inkling in my mind that, like, Pip the Troll is going to be a reoccurring Marvel character.
0: Yeah. No, this is not the last we'll see of good old Pip. Uh, So, to make a long story short, I think the battle Oh, oh, we should talk about
1: the soldier. Because that, I think, is the most interesting part about adam warlock here besides the fact that he is concerned that he's going to turn into a genocidal like god character mm-hmm. is that he has the soul gem that he's losing control of that has been slowly sucking his own soul out right at one point he removes the, the soul gem from his forehead and he immediately like has this terrifying reaction because he realizes his, his soul has been pulled into it subtly without his noticing mm-hmm. and now he has no soul except in this gem so he's beholden he's to keeping this gem on his head, and also it is constantly trying to get him to remove the souls of his enemies. yeah so they
0: describe it as a vampiric soul gem more often than not which is very much what it is like he is leeching the life force of his enemies uh it's it's an interesting thing where obviously the gems haven't really been built up in the way that we know they're going to but there's a lot of like misunderstanding around what the soul gem is and what it does that we see warlock struggling with here it has great potential and great power but it's also like it's kind of got a mind of its own it mostly seems like its own
1: little malevolent creature here
0: yeah yeah
1: and uh yeah i mean he does it He sucks the souls out of quite a few people like kind of at a necessity sometimes sometimes accidentally and every time he is despairing that he had to do it or horrified that it happened like rightfully so right that he like gobbled up some souls
0: yeah warlock's not a tough warrior or anything like he's very emotional he feels everything you know he's like this force for life but he's also like he's really torn he's very very upset and eyed when he's like, you know, basically like, I'm going to become this all-powerful god, but I'm going to lose all of my humanity, as he Which describes it. Which I think it.
1: sells the stakes of this. I think that actually is really important to this working as a story, because, like, if this was a character I didn't care about, if this was, like, early Captain Marvel, where Captain Marvel was just like, I'm a do-gooder, and someone was like, well, you're going to become evil later, and he was like, well, I'm not, I'm a do-gooder, and he just continually fought against it but adam warlock is terrified that he's going to become this he's worried and he's seeing it happen to himself like he keeps Mm -hmm. taking steps towards becoming magus while he's fighting against it and he keeps like going down that slippery slope and that like that worry that he like is recognizing that bad behavior in himself i think is what makes it so interesting
0: yeah so the way the way he ultimately defeats the magus's plot which again like the Mages is like this is all preordained this has already happened in my timeline you can't win. I know everything that's going happen. Oh yeah, please, happen. please
1: explain this to me because I think I don't know what happened. <laughs> I
0: mean, it's it's some wild. Like you got to read it to get a feel for it, the way it plays out. Because I think it plays out like it kind of feels like sense, and then you sit back and you're like, what just happened? And it's hard to do. Um, Adam Warlock travels through time to visit the his future self that is about to turn in to the magist. Okay, right. I got and that. And at this moment. Where he's about to transform, it's this horrified alternate self. He kills him, basically. No, he sucks his soul soul into the soul gem and he says, By doing this, by taking this action, I will always have traveled forward in time and sucked out the soul of this individual before they could become soul gem. So he's in like, uh, so the issue is called, I think, the death of Adam Warlock. Basically, he assures his doom at a certain point in time, at a fixed point in time. So the mages can never come to be, and that's how they do. It's defeat.
1: pretty cool. It's pretty unsettling, this idea that, like, you know, there's always going to be an Adam Warlock somewhere in the timeline who's just, like, a husk of a being yeah. that he removed the soul from, that that's, like, ultimately his fate.
0: Yeah. Like... And he has to wait, like, an eternity, knowing this is coming, basically.
1: Right. And it's... Man, this whole year of comics is dealing with such, like, interesting a, metaphysical stuff, right? Like, a lot of Man in the Mirror going on. Yeah, yeah, there is, because, you know, there's that, like... Oh, if you are preordained to become something, like, if that is your destiny, is there any fighting against it, right? That's the the entire, like, thrust of this. And it's, the way that they explored it is really interesting and wacky and weird and, like, super trippy. There's a ton of, uh, they deliberately or specifically call out Steve Ditko as a, like, in honor of Steve Ditko. Because all this, like, in-betweener realm stuff is clearly Steve Ditko inspired. And they're using his style to draw that. Um, yeah. You want to
0: know something that is not asking metaphysical questions it's werewolf by night 32 to 33 a werewolf versus moon knight battle debut of moon knight let's get into a simple comic um, no jack more russell. thinking let's get into a comic where moon knight calls a slimy shadow organization a bunch of lard butts <laughs> that's <laughs> what like, we need the
1: only thing i like about jack russell is how much he hates the moon Because so i just think that's like a really funny thing for i mean there's a reason for that but i like that idea of just like makes
0: sense that a werewolf yeah. who hates yeah but a werewolf. i
1: just think that's a funny thing like i want to meet the guy who's not a werewolf who's just like i don't know man the moon sucks yeah or not a moon guy uh so no judgy. so these right, stories are by doug down mench
0: it's always looking down on me <laughs> that is a pretty oh, condescending I'm glad Mr. i got
1: moon. you i got you with that one
0: <laughs> yeah doug mensch ron perlin and uh and co doing werewolf by night again a moon bench. night he comes in hot Dressed in all silver, I think he might have listened to our most recent "My Marvelous Year" variant cover. Some of my ideas for the shared universe characters. He's got silver everywhere, purely so he can beat the stuffing out of our <laughs> werewolf by night, I do which like he does. wearing
1: Like silver boots, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Moon Knight is Mark Specter. He's like a soldier for hire, and then with he's a preposterous
0: being... track record of military service and accolades, the nine guy wars or
1: something. Yeah, yeah. And the the funniest detail of this is he's being hired by. I, the details here definitely evade me because I could not get, I don't know, this was not that interesting to me. Who is it who's hiring him? It's like some government people who want to use the werewolf as a military asset, right? It's
0: a bunch of lard butts.
1: Yeah, it's a bunch of lard butts.
0: Slimy Uh, shadow organization. (laughs) They Um, they hire Moon Knight as like this callous mercenary. For
1: $10,000. That's the best part. Is that like, I mean, I know 10000 Salafi. Well, no, I don't think so. Pretty. That's pretty cheap for uh, even for nineteen seventy five dollars.
0: Well, as we'll Sorry. learn about Mark Spector, he's got some dough. That said, he sounds he he talks like um like a tough, I guess, like a I don't know, like yeah, like a mercenary. Like he's like, I'd rather kill this hairy monster than let those cops cut me off from my bread. Okay, like he's just got this sort of affect to him that um yeah yeah it
1: clashes with the later mark specter we're gonna yeah 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 i don't know that much about moon knight but that i know that wasn't him
0: yeah and he he kind of has a punisher-esque debut here where he is manipulated into fighting the the title of the comic um then when he realizes he's been manipulated and basically finds like hey they've caged this werewolf and a bunch of his friends and hey turns out the slimy shadow organization sucks um he sets him free you know so he beats up werewolf traps him then ultimately sets him free when he realizes what they're doing. Uh, the issues aren't, I don't think, amazing. Uh, Moon Knight's going to be better as a solo character as he continues, but it's a nice addition to the Marvel universe, um, even if this isn't him at his like most fun. But I do love that he just has silver everything. He's well prepared. He, you know what? Uh, like and he's a good foil.
1: I think the only really cool thing about Moon Knight is that costume is like spot on. I
0: love right this from design. the get
1: go. That costume is really cool, like all yeah. white, and you know. Yeah, all white and silver. It's pretty neat. Um <laughs> Jack Russell. This starts out with Jack Russell having hurt one of his best friends, Bucky. And I just love the fact that, like, I I kind of want that to be like how there's always a Sid in every Final Fantasy game. I just want like every four or five years there to be a Bucky in Marvel Comics who you know dies a horrible death and somebody's really broken up about it. Like just just as Captain America gets over Bucky, Werewolf by Night's Bucky dies, and just as everyone he's has their own it. Bucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always a Bucky. There's always a lighthouse.
0: Those poor Bucky's. So the final comics we read as part of 75 part two are Giant Size Defenders number five and Defenders 26 to 29. Let's play a quick round of why did I do it? I get why you
1: put Giant Size Defenders number five here. You get. Okay, that. I thought that one was okay, okay, and it kind of established everything that I felt like we got from the next four, which is the Guardians of the Galaxy are now here. See, that's funny because I,
0: I was considering cutting Giant Size and I only literally including...
1: don't know what happened. I read them, so it was ten... a comprehension issue for you. I read them ten hours ago, and I could not tell you what the plot was. I it
0: just like as I well, was let me them, let me talk you through it. Then this is. <laughs> it's funny. I actually wrote Guardians of the Galaxy 26 to 29. That is not the series. It's Defenders 26 to 29. It's written by Steve Gerber, art primarily by Sal Buscema, Vince Coletta. Got arts here by, or letters here by Joe Rosen. Uh, I don't know if you noticed yet, we got Len Wein and Marv Wolfman on kind of like their co-editor in Chief rank. Do we talk? (laughs) Please do that every time I say Marv Wolfman. I love it. Uh, Yeah. No, we got RT, I think, is done as editor-in-chief, and we got Len Wein and Marv Wolfman in kind of this co-conspiratorial reign. It's kind of an interesting period of transition.
1: No. Roy Roy Thomas. Um, Are
0: we not there yet? I think we are.
1: No, he's editor-in-chief for a while, right? There's Uh, a
0: period where Lenny and Marv are tackling it together. It's a short period, but I think we're here. Oh. While you're looking at that, I, yeah, this yeah, is, yeah, so this is a Defenders series. I, I wanted to add this for a handful of reasons. One, I was curious. I hadn't read these comics before. Two, Steve Gerber writing. I haven't read the Steve Gerber Defenders run, so I wanted uh-huh. to make sure we included some of that because it's, you know, Gerber's an interesting writer. We've seen a lot of good stuff. He's done on Man-Thing. We're going to see more of his work on Howard the Duck. I was curious what his Defenders look like. And then three crossover with the guardians of the galaxy now we've talked about before in the origin of the guardians of the galaxy this is not the team as we know them i kind of like actually not kind of i really like the year 3000 guardians so we get in a story here of them in their limited capacity here are the things i like and did you find did you find the answer yet to this editor? oh uh yeah
1: you're right, 74, he dropped out in 74, Len Wein from 74 to 75 with Marv Wolfman, Jerry Conway, six, 76, Archie Goodwin, 76 to 78, and yeah. then Jim Shooter took over for nine years from 78 to 87. Yeah, yeah, it yeah.
0: really changes hands a lot um, yeah, which is, until Shooter takes over, and, and yeah. that's a pretty pretty well-defined era. But uh, okay, here's what I liked in these, Zach, and you can yeah. tell me what you think. Yeah. Defenders, you get a really nice history of Earth from present day through the year 3000, uh, written by Steve Gerber here. Integrates Killraven, blames the yeah. destruction of Earth on aerosol sprays, eh, but really just like, you know, tarnishing the environment and tarnishing the ozone. But then it's got oh, really no, detailed, I, I did like, like that, that here's detail what's going to happen like, every century kind of thing.
1: No, th- that was funny. The very beginning of that was good, where they were like, mankind couldn't put down their hairspray, so we had the Great Skin Cancer Wars of 1982. Like- yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> There's and all these, like, me. future things that may or may not come to pass in actual Marvel stories, but I like that they're just throwing it out there. It's the sort yeah. of thing where if, like, a big writer at DC or Marvel did today, you know, if they were like, here's all the things to come, people would lose their mind and be like, oh, they're planning all these awesome things. Gerber's just throwing them out there. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. some have, have hung around, some have not. I mean, um, part of
1: it is literally War of the Worlds. You know, that H.G. Wells story. It happened. I, well, that's a I, that's
0: an ongoing Marvel series. Yeah, right? no, Kill I know Raven. that's ki- that's Killraven. Yeah, that's know, actually but... integrating. That's like a crossover.
1: All right. Uh, oh, speaking of which, um, what's his name from Jungle Action? The writer of Jungle Action, du- Don McGregor. McGregor? Oh, was yeah. he writing Killraven too? He, th- uh, yeah. Because I looked up, I was like, what else is this guy writing? I need to read yeah. whatever else he's doing. He's like, um, he does. God, he does something later that, oh, he does Luke Cage later, and I like, immediately fainted. Like, I had to run to my fainting couch and pass out on it because I got so it's excited. It's a good thing you got the,
0: that. Yeah. The prospect of. You, you've been you've him a lot of use out of that.
1: Uh, but he also writes Kill Raven stories, the War of the World stuff, which is the first time that I had any interest in reading those stories. See, that's we my
0: problem. I don't care about War of the World's futures with the I Martians. don't either,
1: but if uh, Don McGregor's writing it, I might check it out.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I read a couple of those, like looking at them for the list. It'd be okay bonus round type material. I mean, the other yeah. thing too is like, okay, this just doesn't, it's just not part of the Marvel universe, really. You know, it's kind of the separate offshoot thing. So yeah, I'll be curious to hear your take on that. Um, it'll probably be weird, like most of your thoughts. But <laughs> these issues also introduce the mysterious Starhawk. He is one who knows. We're going to see a little bit more of Starhawk coming up. We get Hulk and Yandu, the Archer. Here in, I, I got to say here, I prefer Yondu Guardians of the Galaxy three thousand than MCU Yandu, which is what the characters become, the Michael Rooker version. Uh-huh. Uh, by miles. By miles. They're totally different like characters. We talked a little bit about like who what MCU characters have changed the most, you know, comics versus MCU adaptation. Yandu's up there. Very, very different. Give me all your Yandu thoughts quick. I
1: don't know. I, I okay. It, it might have been that I literally read twenty five comics before this
0: and I just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I couldn't process this anymore not hearing anything about Yandu.
1: no i didn't care i was just like you see
0: his red mohawk
1: no he looks cool he definitely looks really cool um starhawk my only thought was there's like a feminist sci-fi writer that i had to read a book by
0: in college who calls herself starhawk sounds like like a lot of people are making you read a lot of things
1: they they go by she goes by the given name starhawk she wrote the fifth sacred thing which was a pretty
0: bad i wonder if that's related to uh to starhawk of marvel uh no you research I'm that at... i'll finish recapping the yeah issue. you know what else do, i like we in uh in defenders
1: uh, i like Lord jack it.
0: norris two s's desperately trying to get his wife oh, to admit yes. she's his wife that was the most valkyrie. interesting
1: thing that happened here besides some of the hulk stuff that yeah, was so like, we got the defenders we
0: haven't mentioned the lineup here is hulk valkyrie and doctor strange and a little bit of nighthawk on the side and valkyrie at this point is she she is full-on valkyrie the asgardian warrior um she has transformed from the alter ego Barbara Norris, who was a woman married to a Jack Norris. Now, Jack still thinks this is his wife, Barbara, <laughs> but Barbara has full-on become Valkyrie due to the magics of the Enchantress. She is really cold about it, too. She's just like, Barbara's gone,
1: okay? Your wife's gone. You yeah. need to move on. And it's like, I mean, you're basically telling him his wife's dead and that he just needs Jack, to get over it, right? Like, Jack her won't accept here, it but, to the point yeah. that
0: he gets on the spaceship, with the guardians and the defenders and like tags along.
1: And then something happens, right? Doesn't he become a big deal or something? He looks deep into Starhawk's eyes. He's Starhawk, right? And he's like, I have
0: seen some things y'all. I'm not even going to chase Barbara around anymore. At least not as obnoxiously. Um, Because at one point Valkyrie says to him like, I think well. First, he he goes in for the kiss. He's like, "Let me remind you, her husband and wife, smooch," just like uh, Hawkeye did. And Valkyrie is having none of it, which good for her. Later, he kind of like gently puts a, a hand on more, her. It's a little more.
1: It's a little more understanding with this because it is his wife's body, right? She doesn't
0: like, just pun- She doesn't just deck him like. She no, was she Hawkeye. tells.
1: She warns him not to do it again. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, Dave. I just, like, even Gosh, listening you to you you have so talk many strong this... Defenders thoughts. Yeah, I mean, they're fine. Oh, okay, I, you know what, I do, I do have one thought, which is, this is the best the Hulk has ever worked, um, oh, be- interesting. Be- I think, like, this is so much more interesting than anything else with the Hulk, not these issues specifically, but Defenders just, we, I think we've talked Hulk. about it. Yeah, just, like, him bouncing off these other people and him being, like, a little bit of the comic relief, I think, really works, mm-hmm. um, that, like, Especially with Doctor Strange as being the straight man to Hulk. I think their yeah. dynamic's really good. And when Namor shows up. So, like, uh, I like uh Doctor Strange is like, zapping them off to... We need to research a temporal distortion in the timeline. And Hulk's flying along with him and he goes, Why? Sounds dumb to Hulk. <laughs> I just love, like, you know, Doctor Strange is spouting off all this, like, very important mission stuff. And then later, uh there's, like, this eel that becomes sentient and it's very dumb but it, I know, it's kind of funny it's actually um, quite a bit
0: smarter than it was that was, that was that, the plot. that's true
1: yeah it's kind of a smart eel now uh and hulk goes so hulk has to fight fish still sounds stupid to hulk <laughs> that made me that made me laugh i feel
0: like that i feel like hulk's your pov character in the yeah in these he's issues. he is like yeah, this is dumb
1: yeah exactly i just love that he like Is kind of over all this, and everyone else is taking everything really seriously, and he's just like barely along for the ride. Yeah, I like him a lot here. This is the first time that Hulk, I think, has like really clicked for me.
0: Yeah, so long story short, the defenders travel with the Guardians of the Galaxy to the future to prevent. The takeover of the Badoon in the year 3000. Oh, is that what happened? I, yeah, this is kind of the crux of I the Guardians the of the Badoon Galaxy 3000 AD. Uh, it's a it's a world taken over by the Badoon. Humanity's on its last vestiges, as you may remember from Marvel Super Heroes number 18 Origins, written by Arnold Drake. Uh, but here, you know, it's like basically the Defenders go forward in time to try to help them. A bunch of hijinks ensue, including Hulk and Yandu landing on a planet where they get into something called the Super Death Sweepstakes, which is a little early mojo action for those experts. Oh that was kind of funny actually yeah yeah i like that little sequence but uh you know like it's fine i, I kind of wanted it to be a little weirder a little crazier um, This, oh you know what i it just didn't quite I get should, there i should for stop me.
1: just being irritating and actually talk about why this doesn't work uh i think in comparison to strange tales this just has the biggest tonal issues where we've got like all these different characters, Valkyrie, Hulk, Doctor Strange, we've got the Guardians, and there's all these different plot lines. And this is something the Avengers have a problem with, too. Actually, you know what I was thinking of when I was reading this? The Justice League, this make I feel the same way about the Justice League often, where, like, they can't find a good, coherent tone to Mm. mesh all these very different characters who usually exist in very different types of comics. So it's like too
0: many moving pieces kind of thing?
1: It's... Sometimes people can pull that off, right? They can, like, find yeah. that tone that balances all of them in this strange world, right? Or this, like, you know, that that meshes them all together really well. And I just felt like this was the worst example of just, like, wildly veering from tone to tone in a way that wasn't even... Yeah, it just wasn't interesting. It just didn't work for me.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a bit messy.
1: Um, I don't yeah. disagree. I mean, like like I... the worst Avengers comics. Avengers does this to a slightly lesser degree sometimes. It's been yeah. better, actually. Avengers has been pretty good lately. But...
0: Yeah, no, I like the broad strokes of, of the ideas here. Like, bringing the Defenders and Guardians to the galaxy sounds more interesting on paper, but uh, it doesn't play out as one of the better stories we have this year, which is which is okay, because we are read the... a lot of really good comics this year.
1: Are the Badoon the least interesting aliens in Marvel that are, like, reoccurring?
0: Like, not yeah, not counting the throwaways. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I like the Badoon as villains more than I like the Kree, probably. There are individual Krees that I like a lot more than any individual Badoon, because I could name a single individual Badoon. Um, but I kind of like them as the baddies more than, like, I don't know, Kree-Scroll-War type stuff.
1: Huh. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I just Having said really that out loud, I don't know that, that I
0: agree with anything I just said. I mean, That's th- probably not true. The they're are like clearly a, they're more right important.
1: behind the... Uh, God, what's the... the those x-men monsters that are coming up
0: your boys the brood
1: the brood yeah i'm not a brood i'm not a brood boy
0: Brood or better i'm a rude brood boy. or better boys i'm not a brood boy um i like yeah, the brood i'm curious more. if i'm I gonna like hate scrolls more i like I, I, the the who else the phalanx more the phalanx um, Ooh. yeah
1: i only know about them because you've been writing reading orders for them lately
0: just <laughs> just multiple yeah <laughs> I just keep
1: what? publishing <laughs> oh, well, new I mean, Phalanx <laughs> reading orders. I've really I,
0: become a new, yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: very niche site. Phalanx Herald. Du- no, we already did this joke. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Defenders, That's the end. I, I would say.
0: Good job, everybody. We made skip, it through another year.
1: Skip all the Defenders and read the entire run of Amazing Spider-Man instead. You'll thank me later, even though if you're listening to this, you probably already did it.
0: Go so back in time. It's like I win again. Good job sticking the list, self. everybody. Yeah. Uh, My Marvelous Year is brought to you by viewers like you over yep. on Patreon.com slash My Marvelous Year. You can find out ways to support and check out the site. You can also find uh, weekly updates there with all the issues. You can find all the issues as well in the show notes or if you subscribe to the Comic Book Herald newsletter. I'm Dave. I've been here with Zach. Music for the shows by Disasterpiece. <laughs> Weird. Uh, we're talking into two microphones. We're using Audacity to record. What are you doing? And what is this? What, uh, what what else do we use? Dave, Dave's end of brain
1: just shut off and just went under complete autopilot. <laughs> um, so uh, next variant cover. I want to play a game we played during our Q and A. A more explicit version of Mary Screw Kill. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. Uh, censor that a little bit for the real episode and uh someone asked some better versions of that in the slack but someone cj came up with a good my marvelous year version of that called reboot retcon or kill
0: this i like a lot more already yeah
1: i think that's actually a really fun idea is to pick like three big characters and decide what to do with them so let's
0: reboot retcon or kill them off now we'll have to define the difference between reboot and retcon i think Um, yeah 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 but I like the yeah, idea. Yeah, we, we can play with Good this idea. idea. I
1: like, I like that. Um, so, oh, this year's poll, which uh, we decided now, so we didn't didn't come up with for the mm-hmm, seventy five mm-hmm. part one is actually based on that. I think we were inspired by. This is the only that, game we play. Yeah, MFL.
0: If you yeah, could they, marry, we've
1: turned into a very, very horny. Uh, comic let's book let's club be lately. a
0: little less liberal with our use of we there.
1: We, I mean, the entire club. Like, you should have seen the conversation yesterday about Doctor Octopus's tentacles, Doctor Doom's. Uh, time yes. Travel, so thank Dr. you to all of our
0: extremely horny supporters. Yes, thank you <laughs> all is, very much. This is definitely our target audience. Um, no, I, I think the club's awesome, uh, awesomely horny. But yeah, so <laughs> our, our poll question this year is: Who would you marry of the all new, all different X-Men? So having read now giant size X-Men number one, you should know the lineup as well as anyone. But would you marry? And we'll put this up on the Patreon. Um, I'm going to rattle them off here: Colossus, yeah, Storm. Go for it nightcrawler cyclops sunfire john proudstar uh who am i missing who didn't i say wolverine Wolf- oh he's yeah i guess he hangs around wolverine i'm gonna throw gene gray in there even though zach was all like she quits brr, 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 brr. i'm zach you um, just wanna give i'm gonna throw gene gray in there choices. and professor x
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good, good. Yeah, Who would you most... Who would you marry out of them? <laughs> it's a stupid <laughs> question. <laughs> it's dumb. Yep. Uh, okay. So,
0: this has been My Marvelous Year 1975 Part 2. We're going to be back with a variant cover next week talking about 1975 listener questions. You can write those to Year at gmail.com. Otherwise, check out the show notes for the, previ- the next upcoming list for 1976 Part 1 because guess what? By the end of 2019, we're going to get through the 70s. We're going to get to yeah. the 80s, baby. We're coming. I told you we were a horny podcast. I just settled down. Jeez, (laughs) I record late at night with you, and the clothes start flying off. All right, everybody, I'm going to turn off the mic. (laughs) I need to get out of here quick. All right, everybody, thanks for listening, and as always, we will see you next year. See you next year.